0: Well, purpose in life. What is our purpose? St. Augustine said our chief end, uh, our chief purpose is to glorify God. And you heard uh, at least one of the uh, folks in that video express that. And in the 10th chapter of Matthew, Jesus talks to us, his disciples, about what, uh, what a relevant Christian life might look like. What a life with purpose might look like, lived as a Christian. What are the essentials of that life? That is uh, basically the content of the entire fifth chapter. And we're not going to read the entire fifth chapter this morning, but we're going to read the last three verses, which talks about the reward of living this relevant kind of life, this Christian kind of life, uh, identifying what the essentials might be, what that life might look like. So Jesus, who is speaking to his disciples, and just as a footnote to all this, it is in the 10th chapter that Jesus mentions, or that the narrator, Matthew, mentions Jesus' 12 disciples. And in Matthew's gospel, up to this point, we only know about four or five of them. We don't even realize if we were reading it for the first time, we didn't already know there were 12. This is the first time that the number 12 is actually mentioned. So, chapter 10, the beginning at the 40th verse, whoever welcomes, me, whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. In other words, you're ambassadors, Paul says this in Corinthians, you are ambassadors for Christ. And whoever welcomes you when you come in Christ's name welcomes Christ and welcomes the God who sent Christ, who revealed Christ to us. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of the prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, that's ordinary folk, not children uh, necessarily, but ordinary people. Whoever gives a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. So the question this morning relative to your life, to your purpose, to how you live life as a Christian, have have we, have all of us, so watered down the definition of what it means to be a Christian, have we taken so much away from what it means to be a Christian, that uh, if we looked at what was left, and we, we saw that, and we asked the question, of ourselves, okay, now that I see this, really what of the Christian faith is left? What do I have left? See, most of us are very comfortable, are very okay with understanding and, and wanting the, the me part of Christianity. If we are in trouble... We want God to deliver us from our troubles. If we've made a mistake, I want forgiveness. You want forgiveness. If I have lost a job, if you have lost a job, you are praying for God's direction, for God's strength, for God's uh, wisdom, so that you can find a new job. If you're having trouble with your children or you're trying to understand how to raise your children, whether they're little or whether they're adult children and you're still trying to help them. If you are trying to be helpful as a grandparent and do some things that will help your, your children raise your grandchildren, you pray, God, help me. Give me wisdom. If you're facing illness, your prayer is for God's healing. God, heal me. God, lead me to the people that can help me uh, to heal. All those things are okay. All those things are are part of what God uh, would have us to do. God cares. But that's not all that our life as Christians are about. And if that's what we confine ourselves to, if that's what we have boiled it down to, that that God is there personally, but God has no greater purpose for me in this world than taking care of whatever my immediate concern is, then we've missed most of what Jesus has said to us. And the 10th chapter of Matthew is 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 a missional chapter. It's Jesus' word to his disciples, to us, to the church, of what it looks like to be a relevant Christian, to live a relevant life. What are the essentials of a Christian life? The first thing in this 10th this chapter is the, the need and the idea that we are confessional people. The first thing that's essential is the confession of God's act, saving act, in Jesus. In the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, we have what's called the Preamble to the Design of the Christian Church. It's in your hymn book. It's 355. And it begins I believe, we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Living God, Lord and Savior of the world. That's what we ask, that's what we hope that when a person unites with the church, if a person is confessing their faith for the first time, we ask them to make that good confession. We are confessional people. We we uh, we don't we're not doctrinal people, we're not creed, creedal people. So, you know, I have people ask me from time to time, well, give me something that explains your doctrine. You know, What are your beliefs? Give me something written down on a piece of paper that says this is what the church believes about this, 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 you know, right on down the line. The Christian church, Disciples of Christ, we have many confessional statements. We have many things that are written about trying to figure it out and trying to understand what God would have us to be and to do. And to say. But we don't have any hard and fast statements. Other than the idea of confession. That we confess God's act in Jesus. And we invite everyone to join together as a community of faith. To live together as a community of faith. To figure that out together as a community of faith. To pray about that. To turn to the Bible to turn to scripture, to be guided by God's word, and to do that as a community. It all begins with confession. In this missionary chapter where Jesus is telling us to go, if you don't know why you're going or on whose behalf you're going, then why the heck would you go? It begins with our confession in Jesus. The second thing is that... uh, We live with a concern for mission in the world. So in the 10th chapter, beginning at uh, the 13th verse and following on through 16 and down to 24, there's this idea that our concern is for the world. That Jesus calls us to look beyond our me needs, not that they're not important to God, but to look beyond me to the greater world, to other people. How can I make this a better place? What might God's purpose be for me in helping this community to be a better place to live? What would God have me do? Look beyond the me part of this. Not that it's not there, not that it's not important, but look beyond. Expand your vision and ask What is it that God would have me to do? What is it that I can do, that I'm gifted to do, that will help other people, that will help this community be a better place to live and to be? How do I reflect Christ's light in the world? Part of that, Jesus, then, when he sends us, is to say that we have to let go of material possessions. So, in this tenth chapter, verse sixteen and beyond, the first thing when the disciples find out that they're they're supposed to do this kind of stuff, the first thing that they they uh, I'm sure asked was how we don't have well how can we do this? Uh, we don't have any money. We don't have this. We don't have that. We, you know, uh, that's a constant theme in Matthew. Several people come to say, I want to follow Jesus and to tell Jesus, yeah, we'll follow you. But first of all, I got to go back home and I got to take care of some things back home. And Jesus says to us, don't let go of your possessions. Let go of anything that is keeping you from following me. Don't worry, I mean, because the disciples say, well, we'll... Uh, we, We don't have any gold. Jesus said, don't worry about that. Don't worry about having an extra coat to take along with you for the journey. God will not give you, call you to do anything that God has not already made provision for you to do. If God is asking you to do it, then God has already made provision so that you can do it. What God is looking for from you is taking the first step and trusting that God will reveal the next step to you. God is not looking for your questions, for your excuses, for your your worries, your anxieties about why you can't do this. God is looking for your faithful response. That's the third essential of being a relevant Christian. Risking yourself. Putting yourself out there for others. Getting beyond the me to the greater world. The greater community. And understanding that. The fourth thing is letting go of fear of what other people might think. So if you look at the 23rd Verse, twenty on to 26 and and following, uh, down to verse 33, 34, uh, there are a list of fears that Jesus addresses. What other people think, what will other people think of me if I do, uh, if I tell them I'm a Christian, if I tell them about my faith. You know, will that diminish my standing in the community? Will that jeopardize my job? Will that jeopardize my friendship? Or some other relationship that's emerging or developing? How much of, of, of my faith should I really share? And the first thing that Jesus says in these verses about those fears, so have no fear for nothing is covered up, Jesus says in the 26th verse. In other words, whatever you think you're hiding and whoever you think you're hiding that from, you're not hiding it from God. God knows. So if you are reluctant, if you are hesitant to share your faith, if you're embarrassed to share your faith, God knows that. That's not uh, concealed from the Lord, from God. So your fear uh, of what others think is misplaced. Your concern, your accountability, your awe, your accountability is to God. Am I honoring God? The chief end of persons, of people, is to glorify God. Are you doing that? The last fear that Jesus mentions in these uh, verses is the fear that somehow uh, you need to be more concerned with what other people think, with, uh, with whether other people care that you're more concerned that other people care about you than whether God cares about you. But The affirmation is God cares. So those me things that that you desperately want God to address and to be be there for you in Jesus Christ, God cares about those things. God's not going to leave you orphaned. God's not going to run away from you. God is there for you. God is not, you know, out there, some kind of a distant person, uh, distant entity. God is there. And God cares. And our greatest concern should be embracing God's God's care. We don't need to be, you know, uh, assured, you know, in a... uh, In a uh, kind of a spiritual way, uh, a way divorced from caring about other people, Uh, like the the story of the little girl that uh, was afraid of thunderstorms. And and Lord knows, if you live in Indiana, uh, from time to time we have plenty to be uh, concerned about. And she repeatedly called out to her mom. Uh, because of the fear that she had. Her mom would come in and say, don't worry about it, God, God cares about you. After the third or fourth time, when her mother had said the same thing, and the little girl still was not satisfied, was still calling for her mom, and the mom said, didn't I tell you? God cares about you. And the little girl said, I know God cares about me, but right now, I need something with some flesh on it. God cares and God puts other people in our life to care about us to be there for us in our greatest concern we don't need to fear what other people think about who we are we need to let go of that fear and place our loyalty uh, to God who's revealed in Christ above all other loyalties that nothing's more important in our life than that single thing. Nothing's more important. There are other things that are important in our life. Family, friends, the opportunity to work and live in in a good community. There are other things that are important in our life. But of greatest importance, essential of Christian life, what a relevant Christian looks like, is someone who has said there's no greater loyalty, there's no higher loyalty that I have in my life than my devotion to God who has revealed himself to me in Christ Jesus. That's my highest loyalty. And finally, uh, we need to trust in God and trust in God's future. Trust in uh, the, the rewards, if you will, of Christian living. Trust that the promises that God has made to us that will be realized. That we're forgiven people, that we're grace filled people, that God uh, has promised us not only forgiveness, but eternal life through Jesus Christ to trust in the promises that God has made to us and to live as if that means something that makes a difference. To live in community, to try to figure that out together. What all that means. To talk with each other, to experience that together, to grow together in Christ's name. By doing that, We can live in a way that we have hope that God is able to take our most meager efforts. God is able to take your most meager efforts and to use them for God's greater purposes. So you don't need to worry about uh, what you don't have because God will multiply that whatever you're willing to offer, whatever you can give, I'm talking about of yourself, God will take your most meager effort and use that for God's purpose. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for the love and grace that we know in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you do have greater purpose for us and you have greater love for us than anything else that we can experience in any other area or any other part of our life. So, Lord, help us to claim that, embrace that, live that, in Jesus' name. Amen.